Ladies and gentlemen, so good to have Leighton White with us, who is doing some amazing work over in India. I'd love for me just to be able to introduce him to you. Leighton, would you like to say hi to anybody who wasn't able to make it today? I also understand that we're potentially coming over to see what you're doing uh, in India in October. We're looking forward to that. Anything to say towards that as well? So. Sure. Hi to all those who never had an opportunity to come along and see what the Lord is doing over in India. Um, the Lord creates different passions in each and every one of us. And for me, it's a passion of assisting with the Dalit people in India, the very poor, the undercast, those who are considered to be untouchables. And my mission statement is through God's grace and his love to make the untouchable touchable amongst the young people in India. Excellent. So, so glad to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Leighton, for coming. And for those that are watching online, um, I hope that you enjoy uh, what Leighton says and that it touches your heart and that God will move in amongst uh, everything that's been said today. So, thanks, Leighton. Um, I'd love to introduce Leighton up now. Leighton, I want to give you just a chance to say good day because um, you're going to be our guest speaker today. So, please, Leighton, um, can everyone give Leighton a warm hand as uh, he comes up? <laughs> Leighton, um, I got to share a cup of tea with you last night and it was such a pleasure to actually meet you. Leighton is involved with a lot of work and I don't want to share uh, too much more because I'm going to let him get into that during his testimony and during uh, as he shares about um, what it is that he's involved with. Um, but Leighton, I understand that you're an engineer? Yes, uh, the Lord blessed us when I was very young to with the gift of engineering and we've taken it from there to where it is today. And as I shared last night, it's still just an embryo in which it needs to be expanded and grown. Lovely, lovely. Um, Leighton, I love that you've got a trade background. I'm also a trade background. This is great. So it's given me something to talk about with you. But for these guys that haven't actually met you yet, um, let's, let's do some really simple stuff. What's your favourite colour? Blue. And uh, do you have a sports team that you follow? Not really. Whoever's winning. Uh, a code, a code of, uh, of sport that you would prefer to watch if you had an opportunity? Swimming. Ah, swimming. Yeah. Do you swim yourself? Years ago I did and spent a lot of time by the ocean when I was young. But, yeah, I like swimming and diving. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and tell us, who have you got with you today? I'll give you the microphone so you can talk just a little bit more. Tell us about your family a little bit. Thank you. I've got my darling wife with me today and... Um, we are very blessed to have each other and I think it's very important that we recognise that the gifts that the Lord brings our way. Um, my, f my family um, is a big story. I'll share some of it when I share my testimony. So, yeah, good to be here. Cheryl and I are looking forward to sharing with you guys. This is our Bible reading this morning from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames, a fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. Moses thought, I'll go over and uh, see this strange sight, why this bush is not burning up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. 
Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Well, thank you for this opportunity in which we have to share the wonders of God's grace and what he can do and what he's done and what he's doing. You might ask for that Bible verse, what in the world has Moses got to do with an orphanage or mission work looking at a a burning bush? Well, it's a very long story and I'm going to try and shorten it as much as what I can. But in sharing my testimony, it is this verse of scripture in which brought me to the Lord. A little bit of background of Leighton. Leighton grew up in uh, a very, I'm going to say, neglected, one would say today, environment. You see, the background in which I grew up in was a father who had, and mother, who were alcoholics. My dad was a very, very clever man. As an engineer, he went to war, and that affected him, not that I realised it, but affected him immensely when he came back from war. And we grew up, and many, the majority, in fact everyone who saw anything of our family said, those kids haven't got a hope in heaven of getting anywhere in life. And looking from a humanistic perspective, it it was true, it was real. Having a dad as an alcoholic, a mum as an alcoholic, an uncle who's an alcoholic, auntie who's an alcoholic, my brother who was an alcoholic, myself who was an alcoholic, my sister who's an alcoholic. Alcoholism was a curse on our family. And... In growing up, we, we grew up how to survive. We didn't grow up uh, learning, reading, writing and arithmetic. I was sharing this last night. We never went to school. But, you know, Jesus never went to school. Jesus was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant mother. He grew up in yet another village. He worked as a, as a carpenter. And then for three years, he has an eternal ministry. And, you know... Jesus is the centre of my life today. 19 centuries have come and gone, 20 centuries have come and gone now. And today Jesus is, 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 is the centre of the human race. He's the leader of mankind's progress. You know, if we were to put, we, we're looking at Putin's war now and we're looking at all the wars that there's been in the world, if we were to put all the all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, if we were to put all them together as one, they would never have affected the life of mankind on earth as much as that one solitary life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, he needs to be the centre of our lives. And unfortunately, in the Western world we live, Jesus is normally thought about last because we're spoiled. As a nation in the Western world, we are spoiled. I was only sharing last night that 
within the 8.04 billion people on the planet. There's only just over a billion people who live in the Western world. The rest of the world live very, very different to how we live. And we don't recognise the gifts that God has made available to us and what we have. I've been privileged to be able to travel and see how some of these world, those in third worlds live and recognise how gifted we are. What a blessing it is to live in this amazing, God-blessed land of Australia. Coming back to my testimony, and today, Mother's Day, a special day. A special day because we need to recognise that each and every one of us is fearfully and wonderfully knitted together in our mother's womb. How special are mums? We wouldn't be here if we never had a mum. And the love and the compassion from mums. And not all of us have had the privilege of having what we might call a normal mum. Are these on too, are they? All good. You see, my mum been alcoholic, being an alcoholic as I grew up. We grew up in an environment that was taught there was no God. We grew up in an environment that was taught that, you know, why would God let all of my dad see what he saw during the war? Why would all these bad things happen if there's a God? We grew up two things. One, to all but despise God for what he had allowed to happen. And secondly, to despise Aboriginals, black people. That's the environment we grew up in. We were taught to, taught to hate. And I hated with a passion what I'd been taught. During my growing up, I realised that there must be more to life out there than just a big bang and it happened. So I began to study von Daningen's aliens from outer space. All sorts of things except the thing in which I hated and knew nothing about the Word of God, the Bible. During my growing up, my sister, the only one who wasn't an alcoholic, had found Christ. And I was married, had children at the time, and I'd go f- from, from, our, from Perth down to Bunbury where my sister lived and we'd have many debates about God. And my sister never ever Bible bashed to me. She lived the Christian life, just lived out the Christian life. And wherever she could, she would share a verse to me. I shared earlier how you know, God blessed me with the gift of engineering when I was very, very young. And my, my, he's, he's gifted me with a mind that looks at everything from a technical perspective. And one day in a, in when I'd come down, it was at Christmas time, I'd come down to visit my sister with my family, the Kay. And Kay shared a verse of scripture with me 
about, we were talking about miracles and how God can make fire in a bush. And she turned to the Bible, went and got the Bible and said, okay. She said, this is what God can do. And she read this scripture to us. And I said, and and it's amazing how the devil can turn your gifts and turn it around because immediately I had an answer for her which she had no answer for. Moses was instructed by God to take off his sandals. And the electrons, protons, and neutrons within electric, within electricity, I demonstrated to Kay very confidently that if he never took off his sandals, he would have been atomized on the spot. You see, which may or may not have been the case, but the reality was I had an answer for it. And Kay said to me, she said, look, she said, it's Christmas now. Your birthday is on the 5th of January. If I give you a Bible, will you read the Bible and will you study this against your von Dedigan's aliens from outer space? I said, sure. I was brave. I was going to prove my sister wrong. The power of the word of God can never be underestimated. It's amazing. He is an amazing God. And sharing scripture is the most powerful thing we can do. Scripture is more powerful than any atomic bomb, any atom bomb. You put them all together as one. Scripture is more powerful than any of our engineering feats that we might even begin to realize or understand. I was reading through the Bible and typical technical. I started from the beginning and went through and flicked over this Moses thing, you know. I got to uh, where Moses in where Moses says, for you are created in your innermost being. Psalm, sorry, not my, in your innermost being. You were knit together in your mother's womb. And by this time I had realised that everyone has a different gift. No one is the same. As I mentioned before, there's 8.04 billion people on the planet. And what we fail to recognise today is that each and every one of us living human beings are just as important as each other and every, every one of us there's no two the same. Imagine eight billion people and there's no two the same. We have different hairstyles, we have different facial expressions, we have different DNAs, we have different thumbprints, fingerprints, different personalities, but something that's forgotten. When God fearfully and wonderfully knitted us together in our mother's womb, he also knitted not only a personality, but he gave us gifts. Gifts that you have made very, very special, no one else has. You have that gift, whatever that gift is. Mine happened to be engineering. I'm a person who never went to school in my life, to a person who lectures in universities, metallurgy and engineering today, 
No human being can do that. Only God can do that. The gifts that are that is gifted inside a person explore and expand no matter what age we are, the gifts that God's given us and use them for his glory and for the extension of his kingdom. That's what we're called to. During reading the word of God, I got to a place where Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised. And you're saying, you must be born again before you can enter the kingdom of God. You must be born spiritually through Jesus Christ before you can enter the kingdom of God. When I got to that verse, I wondered, what in the world is this guy talking about? How can you possibly, this technical mind that God's blessed me with, how can you possibly be born again? You see, this is the tangible things in which an engineer is wired up to think like. And it wasn't until such time as I was able to submit and recognize it is only through faith, by his grace, that we can be born again. Simple, childlike faith. My life from being an alcoholic, from doing the things that uh, a Christian would never dream of doing, totally changed from that moment when I accepted Christ. The things, you know, God says in his word very clearly, the things in which we were a new creation in Christ, we were a new creature in Christ. And the things in which we used to hate, he turns to love. And the things in which we hated, he turns to the opposite. You see, Once upon a time, I hated aboriginals. Yet the moment I was converted by the power of God, I loved them with a passion. Loved them to the extent where we have ministries up in the Kimberleys now that minister. Uh, Monica and Peter have seen a little bit of kingdom aviation and and that. And the other thing, I I, I began to realise the life-changing power of God. I was always out to be the best engineer First of all, Western Australia, then Australia, and then the world. Not proudly at all. It's God's gift being demonstrated in us. And that's what he uses. Our life, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. God says very, very clearly, you know, we are his ambassador. And the world sees Jesus Christ through you and me. And we were sharing a little earlier how when Moses went up into the uh, mountain and came down from the mountain, Mount Sinai, he came down with a beaming face. And so often when we see people who have had an encounter with God, an encounter with Christ, the face is beaming. 
That's Christ in us, okay, being demonstrated to the world. And I shared a little earlier around our table, Cheryl's mum. I was very young at the time, nine or ten years of age. There was something special about Cheryl's mum. She beamed with something. I didn't know what it was then. It was God in her. Each and every one of us has an awesome responsibility of allowing God to work through us with the gifts he's given us. Unfortunately today, what happens in our Western world, there are so many who never find their gift, who, who never explore it, who never expound it. And they go to work. They go, you know, they might, they might, they might be an engineer and never cut out to be an engineer. They might be a school teacher, never cut out to be a school teacher. It's essential to expose, and I believe as, as parents and grandparents and great-grandparents as I am today, we need to tease out of the younger generation what those natural God-given gifts are. Because if you tease out that natural God-given gift and explore that within the person's life, they will never work a day in their life. It'll be the privilege of not going to work, not going to a job. It'll be the privilege of aching for Monday morning so you can get up and explore whatever that might be in which God's called you to, whatever it might be. And where God's called you to, that's your ministry. By God's grace, he's allowed my ministry to expand, as I mentioned earlier, and please don't look at the person. Look at God. From a person who never went to school, we now have companies in Canada, manufacturing companies in Canada, in Peru, in Chile, in Newcastle, in Melbourne, and our main headquarters, which is here in Perth. That's not because me and my business partner are smart. That's because we've expounded the gifts and used them for the glory of God. For our, our business, yes, the business grows, but we employ lots and lots of people. We train young engineers. We train apprentices. And God does that, I believe, to enhance the up-and-coming generation of tomorrow, recognising the gifts that's in each and, every one, each and every individual. When we uh, search for our apprentices, we go out into all the state. We've got 76 apprentices and we've got a special school for them. And godly principles are employed in their learning in their teaching and the way in which we present to them things not just out of t- tighten nuts and bolts, but we are, have a God-given responsibility of sharing and investing into their future, their life, their character. That's our God-given responsibility. Moving on. I shared earlier how God changed my, my loves to hates from the moment I became a Christian. Now, don't in any way think that I don't like alcohol for myself personally. I don't like drinking. I sit and drink with, 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 with many people. But alcohol, because alcoholism is a real problem in my family, God changed the love Instantly, from when I gave my heart to the Lord, instantly changed what I love to a hate 
I couldn't drink it if I tried. It would make me sick. From that day till today, I've never touched alcohol. I gave up smoking just like that. I didn't try. No one told me. That's the power of God. That's not me. I, couldn't, I tried to give up drinking for years. I tried to give up smoking for years. I couldn't do it. God has to do it. With God's help, it happened instantly. And from there, I then realised that there was many out there who needed God's love. And we talked about missions, the month missions. Beloved, we are either missionaries or we're the mission field, one of the two. There's no different, you know. If we're not the Lord's and we love the Lord, then we're the mission field. If we love the Lord, we're a missionary. Missionary is not, unfortunately, today in our Western society, we've sort of parked as missions over here, no? But in reality, being a missionary is living life, Christian life, wherever we are in what we do, using whatever tools God gives us. Within my exploring, I wanted to share and invest into the underprivileged children. Because of the work in which I do and travel as a consultant around the world, I was able to travel the world twice to find where I, I could get the biggest bang for my buck in ministries, investing and sowing into children. Hence, we started a, a home called Light Home. That home has quite a few children today. That home is making enormous changes in people's lives. In the Dalit people in India, the Dalit people are called the untouchable people. When I travelled the world, I travelled the world twice and found the place where I could start a ministry is in the southeast side of India where there's uh, 160 million Dalits and that is where I could get the biggest bang for our buck and where we could start. Miraculously, God brought me uh, together with a man with a passion and a heart to start a, a, a Dalit person himself. All that happened miraculously. We haven't got time because we've got to get into the presentation. But again, no human being can orchestrate this in which is, has happened and it's continuing to happen. If we can flick over, please, now to the to the PowerPoint. Our first boy. We started, if I just share briefly, um, I, I met this guy as I shared, and when I met this guy, uh, he had a heart and a passion similar to myself. And I was actually drying dishes in a kitchen when I met this guy. The mundane things of life is, have lots of purpose in them. And so never underestimate doing mundane things, no matter where you are. Drying dishes, the last place you'd ever expect it, is where I met this guy. So we brought him to, from India to Australia and taught him how to run a not just an orphanage, but run a ministry, okay, but started with an orphanage. And after 18 months, we sent him back to 
to India amongst the Dalits. And when we sent him back, he started in his grandmother's two-roomed house with a, with a, a grass roof on. And when he started, we started with one child, this young lad here. For the first time in his life, he had ever had decent clothes put on him. For the first time in his life, he had somewhere that he could call home. Here we are within the ministry, by the Lord's help and grace, we get to ten children. In that little, uh, that, little gra- that little hut there, a grass hut, that's where the ministry started with one child. It very quickly grew to ten children. That's Alicia here in the centre there with the kids. Here's his mum cooking dinner, cooking the food. This is how we cooked food in those days. Again, we're on a journey. We're on a journey to enhancing the up-and-coming generation of tomorrow for the, for the poor Indian people. This is his father carrying water. The only way we could get water for the kids and for mum and dad and the family was carry water on top of your head. It's a normal way for those people. We had two little rooms in Alicia's grandmother's home. This is one room, one room. In that room, we had the, the kids would study, they would eat, they would sleep. Everything happened in that one room. I have a mission statement, and the mission statement is simple to make the untouchable touchable to the Lord's help and grace. We can't do it. God wants to do it, will do it, can do it and will do it through us, through those who have been called to whatever we're called to. Every one of us are called to different things. God's called me to India with a passion. It's essential. Time to extend. That little two-room home, grandmother's home, was time to extend. So, and we designed an orphanage for 50 kids. We were all so excited. It was amazing. 50 children. And that's what we see here now. All these are the dorms down here. These are the toilets over here. And here's the kids. These children are amazing. Just amazing. With passion and love for life. Yet, without Christ, they're doomed to hell. Their destiny without Christ, is emptiness and hell. Typical, our children are like magnets. When we come to, to, uh, uh, to the home, you see me sitting here with kids all around us, they're like magnets to cling to you. Amazing. God gives an amazing passion of love to these kids. And it's that love, which is Jesus' love, flowing through us. Remember, we are ambassadors for Christ. Again, outgrown our home of 50 children. Time to purchase new, new land. So there's more than, there's about 70 kids there, but we only designed it for 50. 
Alicia and I went looking for land. Now, something that we found in the ministry, we found that having the orphanage in one village, there's fighting and bickering between the villages. So then I decided we need to purchase some land in between all the villages to stop the fighting and bickering because it's in no man's land. So this land here is... is uh, a rice paddy, in fact, which is normally flooded with water, laying the foundation stone for on that land that we purchased in the midst of all those villages, playing with some mud, smiling faces around the cornerstone, the look and the, fa- and the excitement of the kids. Five minutes. Thanks, mate. Is, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. The building, the building goes on to, uh, and as you can see here, the women do all the work. That that woman in the front carrying, you know, the the dirt on her head, she's actually in child. This is the normal way things are done there. Again, laying laying the bricks. Some of the kids helping laying the bricks. The building canvas, the light home. That's where we when we first moved in. It was like that, and this is the school here. From there we move on, moving into the new home, opening the campus itself. I'll flick quick. Now, today, as we would enter today, this is campus today. This is the road that goes, as we can see, we're in paddy fields. This is the campus looking as you drive in. There you can see solar panels for our, electri- our electricity We've got to do things right for Jesus, not second class. That's campus looking from the other side. Here's the school. That's the home where the kids live. This here I'll share a little later on. Whenever you, anyone who comes and arrives, you're welcomed like no other welcome you have ever experienced in your life. There's my daughter, Natalie, who loved the ministry with a passion. And I'm known as daddy to all the kids. That's the open gate and you see when when you open into campus today, all the kids will give you a guard of honour. The children and and, and teachers welcoming you, they'll flow flowers on you and welcome you like you've never been welcomed before. Being welcomed, Natalie had such a passion. She was like the Pied Piper with kids. No matter where she goes within the ministry, there's kids all over her because she has a love for kids. We have our own children's pastor for the kids. All children are grounded in the Word of God, taught the Word of God. It's a part of the curriculum with English and the other essential things. These kids would have never, ever dreamed. These kids study like there's no tomorrow, the Word of God. They love the Word of God with a passion. Very different to our younger generation today. Children celebrating church. Again, another, another shot of we, we have our own church within campus. Uh, teachers and staff celebrating the Lord. This here, I'll explain to you now the building. Uh, here, here we have the dining hall where the kids eat. Oh, sorry. Here we have uh, 
the staff accommodation is up there. Alicia's family lives here. And those who might go to the ministry, that's where they stay there, in that area there. So it's, it's if you like, in campus, everything's good for anyone who wants to come. Healthy and uh, well-being. Children playing in the classroom, kids in the classroom, just a shot down from the playground with the basketball hoops and whatever. This is just a campus yard shot. Uh, we have security lights. You see these for the kids. Um, the campus is always locked of a night time, but, of course, we've got to protect the girls because it's mainly girls, as you'll see. Um, children's dining hall where the kids eat. My daughter giving out uh, jackets, distributing jackets. Another one of the dining hall with kids. That's a shot up the, up the front. The school, that's the school over there, here. Cla- another classroom, classroom with the kids. We all have desks and whatever these days. Um, after school, before school, the kids hunger and thirst for learning. They are sitting out here doing homework on their own. No one tells them to from daylight until school starts. And then of the evening, the same thing happens after school. We have a faith garden. This is where all the, all the vegetables are grown up on top of the school. This is amazing. We've got a, a program there where the kids learn to prepare the, prepare the ground, sow the seed, grow, and then some learn to sell out in the villages the produce. We eat all the produce, of course, on, on the within campus as well, Um, and what we don't eat, we sell. That's a part of the kids' curriculum. This is the first girl that graduated here. She's now an accountant in downtown Vijuada, a girl who would have only ever dreamed of working out in the field carrying rocks on her head like you saw those people. What a difference a vision makes. Without a vision, people perish. Since commencing our vision, over 100 children have gone through and gone out into the world, enhanced and inspired through the love of Christ. Some are trained as nurses, some trained uh, technicians, three are accountants, four are engineers, one has his own business in flex banner printing, three are specialists in a scooter manufacturing company, some are school teachers, even our own qualified school principal is one of our students. Four boys are working as machine operators and some trained as working in the construction industry. All these precious souls are first-generation untouchables who ever went to school, who who ever went to... These kids would have never gone to school, like myself. Now they are breadwinners, breaking the terrible 2,000-year-old cycle of untouchable darlets, confirming that God's love transforms the untouchable into touchable by his glory. We have other ministries as well. We have the age ministry. You can see there where we feed people, old age people, because if we don't feed these people, they just die. There's, no, there's, there's nowhere to go there. There's nowhere to go and get social benefits. You don't eat, you die. It's simple. Um, They are so thankful of just a simple, simple meal. 
We have another ministry, sewing machine ministry, where we a six months course. We're widows. We train them to be uh, 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 what you'd call a seamstress here. And when they finish their course, we give them a machine and we give them the tools enough to start a business. And for the first time in their life, look at their look on their faces. The first time in their life, they have dignity and they're breadwinners. The new vision is, is, you may or may not have heard of, is a hospital, which has just been the first load of the hospital. We're now 40% filled the land. We've got to build it up a couple of metres because it's just a, a, a rice paddy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. No. We are, there's an enormous cost in ministry, ladies and gentlemen, an enormous cost. You remember the beautiful faith garden we had? Two and a half weeks ago, a massive storm came through. And that's what happened two and a half weeks ago. The whole faith garden is gone. Now, we can choose to feel sorry and sad for ourselves, or we can choose to say, what is God saying to us in this? Rebuild. Rebuild like the wall. It's time to rebuild and restructure. That's what we're doing right now. You would think that in a, in a neighbourhood amongst these villagers that a hospital would be welcomed. That's common sense. There's no common sense. We have every obstacle put in our way to stop this hospital being built. Our neighbours are complaining like there's no tomorrow. So we have to build now all these fences and that around. This is going to be a massive wall, three-metre-high wall. You see how high those, that is, all around the whole perimeter of our, our building because of neighbours who don't want us there. The passing of my daughter, Natalie. Natalie loved the ministry with a passion. The Lord chose to take her home over in India. I had the privilege of spending the last 21 days of Natalie's life in an ICU unit. And the things that we could talk about, she couldn't talk because she had a tracheotomy in, but she would write everything down. And she said, Dad, regardless to whether I knew I was going to get COVID, in those days we didn't even have a name for, for, for COVID-19, but we had COVID, both Natalie and I. And that was at the end of 2019, well, 2020 is when she died. She said, regardless of whether I knew or not, Dad, don't give up the ministry. Dad, I would have come anyway because I love the children so much. That's God's grace and his love. Children standing here for three minutes, silence, in honour of Natalie. And this is the children's reaction. Have fun in eternity, Natalie. We will all who are by his grace born into his kingdom have fun in eternity. And I'm looking forward to the day when I can share with my daughter the wonders of what she experienced. There's always been a horrendous cost And ladies and gentlemen, beloved, for this ministry, we give all the praise, all the glory and all of the honour to God and God alone. Please don't look at this person. This person is someone whose parents didn't even send him to school. 
God has used the gifts in which he fearfully and wonderfully knitted into me to minister back into ministry. Not just minister back into ministry, but with passion. God calls us to be passionate. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Therefore we are ambassadors, as I shared in this earlier. We can be certain that God is appealing through us. God is appealing through you and God is appealing through me in whatever he's called you to by the Lord's help and grace. Let's pray. Father, we, we were amazed at what you do. And Lord, we pray, Father, that we'll recognise that every good and perfect gift comes from you and you alone. Lord, we pray that we'll recognise the gifts, Lord, in which you've enhanced us with. And Lord, in each and every one of us, will use them for your glory and for the extension of your kingdom. And in this we say, praise our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen.